No, no, I'm going. I'm, I'm done, Danny. But, but okay. Danny, let's do it another day. But I'm, I'm going to bed. Besides, yes. Danny, that was the world's longest question. <laughs> Honey, uh, can you hit the room service button? Welcome to the Mouthpiece, episode 25, year one. Today's, we're going to talk about my trip to Florida with yours truly, the great one, Phil Helmuth, who is also going to be our special interview today. We're also going to go over phone calls. We're going to give you our pick of the week, and we're going to talk about what's been going on with me this week, this week on the Mouthpiece. Welcome to the Mouthpiece, everyone. Episode 25, year one. All right. So, um, I'm heading out to Florida for uh, spend the weekend with the boys. We're going out uh, on a yacht on Saturday, uh, I guess. Uh, Phil dropped about uh, 17 billionaire names, so I lost track of them. Uh, I don't really pay attention to that. That's Phil's his little thing. Um, but uh, we're going, going to Florida. I think I talked about it last week. Uh, we're doing uh, play poker for with the Brat 2200 on Saturday. Uh, the big uh, charity tournament where they get about 500 people. It's like a $500 buy-in. That's going to be on Sunday. Uh, we're playing a 50K buy-in. Uh, where $5,000 to lock up a seat on Friday night uh, in which uh, Phil's taking half of me. And uh, since I don't have that much money, he's paying the whole 5000 for charity too because he could use the write-offs since he's a, a gabazillionaire and uh, I'm a gabrokenaire. So uh, <laughs> that's a good one, gabrokenaire. I like that one. And so... Uh, uh, yeah, we'll let him uh, pay the 5000 so he can write it off anyways. And uh, he, he likes to make sure to make sure the government gets all their money. I like to make sure the government gets the least amount of money possible. So I, um, no, this is how I really know I've changed because I went out last night. They're playing two four hundred, and I showed up. It was four-handed, and I sat down, and, oh, I get st- Stacked in PLO in about the third hand in which I got it in. I'm, I haven't ran this hand yet because I don't, I don't do sims. Uh, oh, but I still win at poker. Oh, I don't do 10,000 sims. Oh, poor me. Uh, but I presume I'm about 60% in this hand. I might even be more. But guy raised under the gun. I repotted uh, with king, king, and ace, four of hearts. Uh, on the button, and he called. Uh, it's a four thousand cap, and the flop came jack eight four with jack eight of hearts, and he pots it, and then we go all in. And his hand is jack eight ten ten, and so I win with a four, a king, um, a running pair, or a heart. So, uh, or an ace. So that gives me, let's see, I have uh, two fours, two kings, three aces, and uh, nine hearts. What does that all come to? I think six, I think I counted 17 last night. Maybe it's only 16. Anyways, uh, we ran it twice. 
comes three of hearts on the turn and a jack on the river on the first one. And then on the second one, it went brick, brick, brick. And I got scooped. I was down 4,000. I won about three, four pots in a row, including stealing a really nice one off Alan Richardson. That was beautiful. And uh, then um, uh, I was like 400 winner. And I said, this game is an absolute horror show. It's a terrible game. Alan had already left. It was me, Jen Harmon, Eric Sangstrom, and some guy named Taylor. And uh, so I said, let me go see what's going on in the private game at the Aria. So I called and there was a seat open. I said, don't tell anybody who's calling, who is calling, just see if there's a seat open. And they walked in, they said, there's a seat open, but it's a reserved private game. And I, I just knew that, that they'd let me in because I, the guy who runs the game, I let him on our game about a month ago. And he told me that. So I went over there. There was act, they're actually playing uh, five handed, or was it four handed? One, two. No, they're playing four handed, uh, and they're playing four hundred, eight hundred. But right when I got there, they lower it to three hundred, six hundred. Now I don't know if they lowered it because they wanted me to get in the game, and they knew I didn't want to play four eight hundred, but because uh, they want to keep the game together. So um, I think more they they said that him and Ellie just wanted to play three six. So. I'm kind of staking out the game, and I ask Tanks, who runs the game, I go, I go, I want to get in, but I don't want to get stuck 20,000 in 10 minutes. How long do you guys think you'll play? He's like, oh, 45 minutes, an hour. This game's not going much longer. I said, okay. And he's always honest with me. So now um, Guy Taylor, who I was playing the 2-400 game with, uh, he, uh, he walked in and sat down and put chips on the table. So now I decide I'm going to take uh, a round of blinds. And then uh, Ellie gets up and he quits right on his blind. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh, maybe this game's probably going to break. And so then I quit. I play one round and quit. I uh, sat out, started talking to, to uh, Jared Blesnick a little bit. We were talking about uh, the postal situation. It was kind of funny. He's like, Mike, I loved your interview. He goes, these people just don't get it. So uh, we talked about that, and I started thinking, um, should I play, shouldn't I play, should I play, shouldn't I play? So I was like, and then Jared says, man, there's great 25-25 PLO, and Jamie Gold's like putting 10,000 in every hand with nothing. And I'm like, okay. He goes, you can take my seat. So I go over there, and this is something I never would do in the in in my old age. I mean, I'm never leaving a three, going to not play three six hundred mix to go play quarter quarter PLO. It's just something I would never do. Uh, now, granted, the game does could play big uh, if you're buying in deep, but uh, you know, other than that, it's it's really not going to play that big. I mean, the game was playing big, but I didn't buy in deep, so it didn't matter. Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> and so, oh, so I, uh, I left. The, I, my gut told me go play three, uh, go play the quarter quarter. Um, <laughs> I tried to bluff a pot. I never bluff. Everybody at the table thought I had it except for the guy I was up against who called me. I said you got, you got it. <laughs> so I lost like two thousand in the hand extra. I was down like four thousand. I got winners, and then I end up losing eight hundred in this game, which is nothing. Um, so I. Uh, yeah, I broke about even for the night. It was uh, it was fun though. I put in my six hours, seven hours. Uh, 
it's something I've been really trying to hold myself to because I, my mistakes, all my mistakes have happened when I play uh, long sessions. And uh, so, the like I said, the old mic just always played the biggest game in the room and never uh, just, I, I just don't do what I did last night. And this is something I've been really working on. And um, I, uh, e I even talked to... Uh, Alex Epstein, who was in the game, and we were talking a little bit about how he crushed the game during the World Series this summer, and then he went and took a shot in this big uh, home game, and he got crushed, and and I, he's 28, and I said, and he, I asked him, how many times you gone broke? He said, four times. I go, well, I got broke nine, and I tried to give him some good advice, you know, and is, which is, you know, no matter how good you play, uh, you got to have money management. You got to be able to take a loss. And uh, that's used to be my problem. And it's something I'm worked hard up. It's not, I, I'm just a believer. When it's not your day, it's not your day. And you just try not to lose more and you can win in one day. And if you do that, person with money management's always going to have an edge over the person who plays better and doesn't have money management. Okay, so uh, that's what's uh, gone on with me this week. Um, it's, uh, time for, um, our pick of the week, which is brought to you by my bookie. Um, visit mybookie.ag, uh, promo code mouthpiece. You get a 200% deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars. You could play casino games. You could play sports, live betting. They got everything for all you DJs out there. Check it out, mybookie.ag, 200% deposit bonus. So my pick of the week is, and this one, uh, as you know now, we are now three and six through nine weeks of the season. Uh, that's not good. Uh, we started off one and zero, oh, then we were one and three, then we were three and three, and now we are officially three and six. But last week I, I let something slip over, over me, and I knew that New England had played a bad schedule and I just, my mind has been all year long that Baltimore's not that good, Baltimore's not that good. And I'm still convinced Baltimore's not that good. But, you know, it was the first real good team the Patriots played and they weren't ready. But this week, I'm sure of this, okay? This week, I, I only, now we've, we're three and six on the year. Only one time, though, have I said, I guarantee you, this will win. And that was week one when we won. This is the second time I'm going to guarantee it. I love, and I mean love, and I will not be betting because I do not bet, okay? I broke out. I have one, did one bet. I bet game seven of the World Series because they were giving me plus 135, which sure, sure, I couldn't resist. And that was it. That was the only bet I've made in three years. But, uh, and I won't be betting this week at all either. But for all you guys out there, I really, really am confident in this pick. And that is, you, I know you guys are going to laugh. Everyone out there is just going to say, ha, Mike's a fucking idiot. The Cincinnati Bengals. That's right. The Cincinnati Bengals coming off of a bye, changing quarterbacks, getting A.J. Green back against the Baltimore Ravens, coming off their best regular season win in maybe franchise history. Uh, and I'm sure maybe they've had other big ones, but this one was so huge. They were pumped up for the game. They played lights out. 
this is the ultimate, ultimate bet betting spot. I mean, back in the days, we used to talk about if I only bet certain situations, I would crush sports. I really believe this is a situation. You got Baltimore coming off of this unbelievable win over the Patriots and now are laying 10 points to a division team who is really desperate for a win, okay? And Baltimore has Houston on deck. Why is that important? Because Houston, uh, Watson and Lamar Jackson played the highest uh, yardage, one of the highest yardage games in college football history three years ago, uh, where they each uh, threw for or had over a thousand yards of offense each team in a, one of the college classic games. Uh, so Lamar Jackson, I know, will be thinking about uh, that game on deck. Uh, and Baltimore is going to be full of themselves beating New England. And I don't know how they get up for this game. Now, with that said, I don't think Baltimore is that good. And I really think Cincinnati is going to win out, right? I'm, I mean, but of course, we are getting 10 points. So uh, it might be worth a small uh bet uh, uh, them winning outright. I know that sounds crazy for a team that's 0-7 uh, but or 0-8, whatever they are. I think it's 0-8 they are. Uh, but uh, this is this is the ideal spot, getting double-digit points in the NFL, home dog, division rival, a team coming off an emotional win and has a very big game on deck. I am guaranteeing Cincinnati plus 10 gets the money. You heard it from me. If they don't cover this spread this week. You guys can all call into the show next week and call me every name under the sun. But don't bet all your money on it. You know, make a small bet if you're going to bet. Go to mybookie.ag and uh, promo code mouthpiece. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you're going to bet. But I'm not going to bet. Uh, but I really like this. So pick of the week, Cincinnati, my Probably my best bet of pick of the year. I am really sold on this. Uh, I've watched football long enough to know that the team that beats the best team in the league one week and then plays the worst team in the week the next week goes in and loses. I've seen it happen a million times, and it's just one of those spots that you're giving me 10 points. Uh, I, 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 I might be wrong. I, I really might be wrong. but uh, And if I am wrong... Uh, well, I won't be betting, so if I am wrong, I ain't going to lose anything. <laughs> but um, if I am wrong, that it only is going to mean that Baltimore is a lot better than I think they are, and they are a Super Bowl-caliber team, and I don't believe they are. So we'll see what happens. Coming up next, we got the great one, Phil Humuth on the line and he is going to join us for the rest of the show so this is going to be a treat we're going to talk a little bit about his uh well we're going to talk about what phil talks about himself and uh so uh let's see what uh my man phil has to say the mouthpiece if you'd like to take part in our phone call segment, you can give us a call at 702-329-0480. And if you're a snowflake or a pussy and you don't want to talk to me, you can email me at mouthpiecepodcast 
at gmail.com. Also, follow me at the Mouth Mattiso on Twitter for times that our call in segment will be live. Now it's time for our favorite part of the show, the phone call segments. Today's special guest, I got Phil Helmuth on the line. We're going to hear what our fans have to say today. So let's light up the lines. Hey, Mike, I had a question about big blind anti-format tournament. I was just in day two of a World Series circuit event, and blinds were 20-40 with a 40K big blind ante, and I had 100K under the gun. I've been card dead and looked down at 3-6 suited and ended up folding it, but looking back, I think that's the wrong move, having to put in the dead big line on the next hand. Uh, if you can give me any feedback on that, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you. Bye. I think he's supposed to move in with it. What's your opinion? Yeah, he has to move in. I did the same thing. I moved in with 3-5 offsuit in the exact same position. Mm-hmm. Six-handed at a World Series of Poker final table, Mike. The 5K. Yeah, I remember. Uh, turbo, and uh, of course I made a straight. <laughs> came ten deuce four. Yeah, but yeah, sure. You laugh now. Oh, this is the one you lost. Happen. Never mind. You won the first three. Yeah, times. I was yeah. against. I was against Ace Ten, and it came ten four deuce. It turned an ace, and I was feeling so lucky. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to have that many chips, but I mean, you know, I've come back lots of times and won from there. And then, sure. and then the guy said it was Tony Dunst. Yeah. And he's like, oh, probably. He said, probably. He said, don't worry, an ace is probably coming on the river. Bam, an ace. <laughs> so <laughs> the free five wasn't supposed to win. But the point is that, you know, you have to move in there. And that's how the big blind has changed. The big blind yes. Annie has changed. Now, we all love it. All the pros love it. We're love almost it unanimous that we love it. Yep. And the reason why is because it's just such a hassle to have to Annie every hand. Right, and it just it makes you get more hands in, and it's cleaner, but it also causes you know some weird situations. And there's a lot of spots where you count your chips. Like if I don't move in here, what can I get? What can I get through the blinds? How much will I have? And if you get through those blinds and you get those extra eight free hands, I mean, a lot of people I've seen move in. Let's just say he had a hundred, where I think it's an auto move in, where two hundred. It's a fold, but so many of the math kids are moving in with 200, and I, I don't think it's right, but that's my opinion. Uh, I, I'd rather get through the blinds and have eight free hands at that 100, you know? So It's close, because I think when close. you move in for 200 under the gun, there's sometimes where nobody has a hand they can call you with. Yeah. That's true. You know? I mean, it's it, it depends what your feel is. You know, uh, we've talked about that. So, um, all right. So that's uh, we both agree on moving in would have been the right, right move and he yep. made a mistake. All right. Let's uh, see what else we have to hear from our fans out there. Yo, Mikey, what's up? It's Frank from Georgia again. Uh, I had a couple questions to ask you uh, that were poker related about uh, basically balance and your uh, – pre-flop range and uh, how basically like playing with lower level people and softer, you know, one, three, two, five games that I usually play. It's hard to stay balanced because people don't really have a sense of what balance actually is, but also you don't want to be polarized. And I noticed you that time Phil paid you a thousand to go to that tournament and you end up winning it, and, like, what type of strategy did you really employ 
and just uh, like playing small ball poker. I'm assuming, um, like what the blind structure levels were like. Things. So, um, I my I'm gonna give my opinion, and then Phil could give his. Um, I think that uh, when you're playing one and three dollar cash game, uh, you shouldn't really worry about balancing. Uh, these people play every hand; they don't fold. I just think playing tight is the way to go. Um, that's my opinion. What, uh, what's your opinion, Phil? Well, it's very interesting because when I'm playing in a 1-3 game and I have 1,000 in front of me, mm-hmm. I have like 300 big blinds. So I'm actually playing more hands. Okay. So when I play 1-3, I'm actually playing a lot of hands. I might even straddle because I'm trying to get other people you know, to, to play. When I'm straddling, I'm trying to encourage people to gamble. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, you know, so for me, you know, I might call 15 with six, seven suited right. and, uh, or seven, eight suited. I'm going to play a lot of hands like that. I'm going to play all the pairs right? and, uh, you know, I'm going to try to get in 15 with six, seven suited. And then when it comes four or five Jack, I'm going to try to be able to call 50 and I want to hit that eight or three. And then I want to get the other 900 in. Sure. And so that's kind of what I'm hoping for. And against weak players, sometimes they lose way too much in that spot where they have ace-jack, where yeah. it does come an eight. And I can win another 500 in that spot where... And so, but interestingly, when I'm playing 100, 200, okay, mm-hmm. and someone makes it, you know, 3,000 to go, and I have six, seven suited, and I have 30,000 in front of me, I just fold it every time. Right. You know, um, so it's interesting. I play a, a tighter, the higher I play, it seems like the tighter I play sometimes, yeah. you know? Well, you know, I, I, I think the balancing of the ranges and all that, I call it, uh, I call it GTO lingo and all that shit is important when you're up against great players where if you're just playing super tight, they're yep. never going to give you action. Hold on. Yeah, there's no great players that play one, three all the time, Mike. Yeah, of course. And so uh, there's no great players and there's no really, really good players. So, right. You know, I mean, they're if they're good, they've moved up to five ten or ten twenty or whatever. Yeah. So you just don't see, unless it's you know a region specific thing where a great player happens to want to stay close to home and he's playing <laughs> one three. Yeah. So you don't see a lot of great players playing unless you're Mike unless you're Mike Postel on the stream. Unless you're Mike Postel on the stream. That's a joke, by the way. There's so many weak players. I'm just trying to. Trying to get lucky, but then you know I don't. I also don't want to put a hundred dollars in with seven eight suited because you only have nine hundred behind, and and you know it's harder to. All I know so, is you know, me and you played five five um, a meetup game, and me and you were playing great. And between we and you, between we, I I, lo- I think you won eight hundred. I lost like eleven hundred. No, I broke it dead even. That's right. I fucking can't, can't do and and what's his name lost thirty. <laughs> well, uh, they lost. Emmett. They lost like twenty nine thousand between them, and the reason why is because Cantu and uh, Cantu was after Randall, and Randall was after Cantu. So they were playing five five, but they were making it twenty five, or they were just went crazy. They're and so they lost a lot of nuts. money at the bicycle casino at our meet and greet for the customers. Yeah, it was good. You know? It's good. They'll be they'll be paying both. They'll be paying you double and me. Uh, probably what they paid you last year we we had 13 games going for them all right we gotta see what up we got one more we got one more phone call let's see what they have to say hey mike uh joe in ohio uh so a question pertaining to 
uh, online poker whenever uh, it comes up in uh, a future podcast. Um, you know, I guess I'm curious. There's a lot of sites that operate uh, within uh, uh, the U.S. that aren't necessarily based here. Um, there's obviously a certain risk uh, that, that goes along with that from a, a cashing out perspective, uh, and legislation seems to be very slow moving uh, state to state uh, to, to get additional sites, um, you know, compliant. So I guess my question is, uh, where do you see the state of online poker? Is this something that uh, is, is, is just so slow rolled that it's, it's going to die? Uh, or is this something that, you know, is just going to take a, a great amount of time um, across the U.S. To, to implement? I think the longer it takes, it seems like more and more people uh, become disinterested. Um, you know, there was that, that moneymaker hype and high-stakes poker when, you know, a lot of guys tuned in to see you and Helmuth and Negranu and Dolly and others, uh, you know, on TV frequently and, um, you know, there's that big boom, and now it seems like you struggle to really find anything uh, television-wise or broadcast-wise uh, keeping the, the game of interest So outside of uh, maybe the WSOP events. So just curious as to what your thoughts were um, as far as, you know, if there's a resurgence coming in the online poker world or if you think that ship potentially has sailed. Uh, appreciate the time, and uh, hopefully uh, we'll get to discuss this in greater detail. Thanks. Okay. Well, my opinion of this, and Phil knows more than I do, um, is I think within two years it's coming. It's coming, and it's coming quick because sports betting has been legalized, and that was the whole thing about they, when they got rid of online poker was the Unlawful Internet Gaming Act because of sports betting. And now that it's been legalized, I think online poker is real close. You know more about the subject, Phil. What is your answer to that? Well, you know, I mean, it's interesting because even some of the, some of the, uh, we all thought it was going to be legalized and, you know, and 11 and then 12 and then 13. And it's just been so slow. It's been frustrating. And we had a president, Obama, who's a poker player played a lot of poker when he was a legislator. We know this. So kind of frustrating that he never could turn his attention towards this for us. Yeah. Um, and, but I think that, and, you know, and Donald Trump owns casinos. Right. So, yeah, you know, Trump, it's, it's Trump, been Trump wants that, that, online poker. Trump wants gambling online Internet. But the thing is, is the biggest Republican donor, uh, the guy who owns the Sands, what's his name? Adelson is he he donates like 50 100 million a year the republic whatever the most you could do and he's against it but he's very sick right now and i don't god forbid i i don't wish death or anything on anybody no matter even my worst enemy but if god forbid something happens to him the i think and, and trump gets reelected online poker will be like like that like right away and i also believe that if like um andrew yang on the democrat side had put into his platform that he wants to legalize online poker. I wonder if that had anything to do with Daniel making a pretty hefty donation to his campaign. <laughs> you heard about well, that, right? I mean, I, yeah, I've heard about this. Yeah, and, yeah. and I am excited because it's good, it's good that poker gets a bit of a spotlight. Right. So I think you're right, Mike. I think, I think once uh, it's going to be very hard for people to say no to online poker when you're going to legalize sports betting. So right, I think it is going to, it is going to inevitably follow, follow with that. Mm -hmm. And, 
you know, I um, I know that, you know, Party Poker USA is, you know, ramping it up. They have yeah. Party Poker is now in Nevada. Right. Um, oh, it is. In uh, so New Jersey. When did yeah, it come yeah, to Nevada? Yeah, yeah, they just got the green light. Oh, awesome to hear, man. That's awesome. So, because I'm because WSOP.com to the software is just so bad, but I heard it's picked up a lot too. I'm not, you know, me, me, I'm not a big online person because it's just been, a, it's just bad for me. I'm a people person. I start playing online, I never quit. Uh, I take beats I never would take. I've been cheated out of my, I just, me and online, I, the one thing, it's kind of like me and sports betting and me and money management. Online poker is not my thing. And Mike, you, online poker is not your thing, and here's the problem. You just don't have, you're, you're just starting to get the control right. to be able to manage yourself in the real world. Right. And for you, playing online poker is like being at a, at a can, like you're at a kid at a candy store. <laughs> you just play and play and play and play. And when you first walk into the candy store, you are very selective with the candies you choose, you know, <laughs> and you get all the good candies and the healthy candies. <laughs> and then the problem is that you stay there for four or five hours and all of a sudden your stomach hurts and you're like, one more. And, you know, and so. No, you're right. It's you know, a good analogy. I mean, it's a pretty funny analogy. You, you are actually a great online poker player, but you just can't. I can't you know, quit. One thing about Ivy. Yeah. Ivy did it. I, what did. Ivy did. I saw him night after night. He would sit down at 7 p.m. or 8 p.m. at night. And every night he would leave at exactly 2 a.m. Well, no. Night he, after night he after would, night. He would risk 20000 sometime in a 2400 PLO. Sometimes he would go 40, but very seldom. 20. And then he would like either win 200 or lose 20 but when he starts winning they just kept rebuying 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 and that's what ivy was a great money manager he never he never would go off online and then i'll never forget but he would always win he was win win and win and we were we were stuck doing a commercial for phil tilt and we were we were supposed to be there we got there at 11 a.m they said we said we didn't want to wait around all day make sure the shoot's gonna happen within an hour and you know how shoots end up we end up there eight hours yeah we end up talking in the in the uh whatever we were in and then He's like, oh, I just busted my account. You got money online? I go, yeah, I got 40 online. He goes, let me into this 2400 game. Fucking Ivy blew my 40,000 in like three minutes. And I'm like, I'm like, this motherfucker never loses him. I get, let him come on my, my line. He bust my fucking account. So, but it was, that was one of the fun days. We, me and Ivy had a good time that day. But, you know, it's good to see, uh, it's good to see Ivy. You know, it was great to see you and Ivy were both head up for a bracelet at the WSOP Europe. And and in the old days, you guys didn't get seconds, man. I'm like, how could they both get? I mean, I don't think ever has a second. That might be his first second, right? I mean, he, he, he always went and won. He doesn't have many seconds. He does not have a lot of seconds. No, you and Daniel. It was nice. It was nice to. <laughs> you and Daniel got that category. So, um, yeah, uh, I think uh, TV poker is going to come back in a big way once the online is when it's established. And listen, I was I had a long talk with Daniel and I said, how how could you leave poker stars like and he says, you know, and they play paying pretty good. We're paying him pretty good. And he's like, Mike, 12 years, you know, married now, want to start a family. And he goes, plus online poker is real close in the United States and we're going to have the pick of the litter. And so, uh, you know, that's, uh, it feels good to be winning again. 
and hopefully I'll be with Phil and Daniel with the pick of the litter. That would be nice again to start getting a little income, uh, working hard for an online site. Uh, now, even though I'm not online poker is bad for me, uh, if I get if I get paid to play, <laughs> then uh, I'll, I'll be playing. Uh, I won't. I won't be playing big. Ga- well, fuck. I probably won't be able to stop myself. I'm a sick Who fuck. Are you kidding? Yeah. Who are you kidding? Shut up, honey. Shut up, honey. <laughs> the mouthpiece. Okay, everybody. So we've uh, got ourselves our first sponsor on this show. Their name is My Bookie, and uh, they're a very reputable company. Uh, they have blackjack, craps, roulette. They have all kinds of other casino games, as well as tons of sports betting for all you degenerates out there. So do me a favor. You're listening to the show. Go visit mybookie.ag. Put in the promo code mouthpiece. That's mybookie.ag promo code mouthpiece and you get up to a 200% bonus up to $1,000 so you spin you win get paid only at my bookie up to $1,000 bonus that's my bookie enter promo code mouthpiece thanks you guys I appreciate it and uh, I appreciate them supporting the show okay everyone it's Mr. Phil Hamid. Welcome to the mouthpiece, Phil. How's it going? Life is good, Mikey. I'm down here in Boca Raton, Florida, and you're going to be down here staying at the same hotel as me yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, looking forward to it, man. I uh, My sleep schedule is completely fucked, so I stayed up all day, and, uh, and then I'm on my way to see you, man. We're going to have some fun. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have to get some rest. I know you land at five thirty, and then yeah. we're gonna be going to the Chop Lobster House Ooh. for this dinner. They have A five Kobe, Mikey. They have um, the, the right eight? now. I can't believe it, but but the uh, the the Florida crab claws. You know the what do they call them? They're in season right now, and uh, and then also this place has live Maine lobsters up to five pounds. So you and I are we're gonna have a nice meal tomorrow with some of the guys. Wait, I got over some. To the aisle. Casino I got some good news for you, buddy. So, like, I saw you said uh, the uh, A5 Kobe 34 an ounce. Well, I won 400 bucks yesterday. That means I'm buying you. You have three ounces of Kobe coming your way. Whee! Sweet, Mike. Sweet. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't think people know how much money. You see, I think what happened to you, Mike, is you had all of these backers. You made them all this money, and they all decided to back somebody else, <laughs> and then they lost all their money. <laughs> I don't it know, no but sense. I've had one losing day because I didn't give you a piece. I said, "Fuck it, I'm a, even if I'm playing eighty-one sixty, I'm going to give them ten percent because I think I think we've won about 20, twenty-one sessions in a row." Knock on wood. You've made me. You've made me a lot of money, Mikey. You've made me a lot of money. You oh, know, uh, I'm gonna make you another hundred thousand this there. weekend. I'm gonna make you another. Yeah, 100, you keep 000. winning me money, and so like, I mean, I don't understand how these other guys could back you. You win them all this money, and then they stop. But let's not get into that. No, that's the negativity. Is, that's all in the past. We're, cro- we're people crushing. don't know how good you are. They don't know how good you are at in cash games at poker. They, they don't, don't know how good I am in anything. Weird to me. 
they think I'm a tight knit and I just rob them. <laughs> I shouldn't say this. I don't rob them. It's I, like in, in certain games, like the o, in 08 and um, Limit Hold'em, I'm just like, they think I'm so nitty. I'm raising like so many hands because they're, they're all afraid to play Limit Hold'em and they're all afraid of being Omaha 8. And it's, I mean, I'm not like going crazy, but I'm, I'm getting a little out of line, and they don't even know it. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, you're able to use your image. You have a tight image. Yeah. You know? So this is a here's one from yesterday. Um, so on. Wait, wait, wait! Before you go there, Mike, let's talk about the World Series of Poker Europe. Yeah, let's get to it, man. Let's do it. So t- let's. Um, so tell me, uh, how was it out there? I've heard people forget. Like you could, you could tell me how you ended. Hold on, let me turn this phone off. You could tell me um, how you ended up and how I've heard like different opinions of the venue. I've heard it's a nice venue, but it's absolutely in the middle of nowhere, nothing to do. But a lot of people like it there, and so many people said it was awful and they hated it there. Like like Ellie went out there and 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 he he was there for like two days. He said he had to leave; he couldn't take it. So, uh, Ellie bl- left. That's interesting. Well, let me just tell you, there's this guy named Phil Ivy, mm-hmm. and there's this other guy named Phil Helmuth. Mm-hmm. And Phil and I had a long talk about how much we loved it at the King's Casino, about how much we loved it. And okay. you have to understand, yes, all right, and we can't we can't go to any nightclubs, fine, whatever. I mean, okay, if you want to have a few drinks, uh, they have a bar there, and, uh, and you know, a really nice bar. Mm-hmm. And uh, But, you know, I mean... For me and uh, Ivy, I guess, were treated really well, too. But, I mean, it, it, I think we like it. I mean, you're out. yes, you are out there in the middle of nowhere, but it's nice. You know, You this year, two years ago, they didn't have the stakes I, I liked. This year, they did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have your own dining room. There's a dining room. Mm-hmm. And so we go into the dining room, and uh, and I think, you know, and if you want, you can order in your room. They'll take care of the Americans. So is the dining order, room you, like it? Excuse me, but is the dining room like Paris used to be, where we all went and ate at a certain time, and then we all went and played poker afterwards? Is it like that, or is it just no? It's, a it's room? better. It's better, and here's why it's better. They have a buffet 24 hours a day, seven days a week, a buffet. So they make all these kind, like eight different kinds of pizza. So you go back there, you can have pizza. You, they have salads. They have uh, vegetarian food. They have, and then if you go, so so you can go there for quick fill-ups. They have like six, seven different kinds of desserts, all this fresh fruit, all these fresh veggies. So it's a huge buffet, and then and w- and there's a bunch of seating, and so that's twenty-four-seven. So if you're in the like you have a fifteen-minute tournament break, I zip over there, grab a couple slices of pizza. Now, but if you have more time, like like and and for me, I was deep in everything, so I was tired all the time. Um, but when I get up in the morning. If I wasn't on a day two, I'd go straight to the dining room where they'd make anything I wanted, really. And so, you know, I'd have them make, uh, they were making me, I, my favorite thing is I'd have them make spaghetti with a bunch of veggies and some chicken. Cool. And uh, and my second favorite thing, they had ribeye steaks, Mike. But it was good ribeye. You know, in Europe, yeah. usually they don't have the steaks yeah, of the high quality. Sucks. They had good yeah. ribeye steaks. Yeah. Well, and, uh, it is weird. Like your so mistakes I mean, aren't that good, but yeah, that's good to hear. Yeah. But Ivy and I agreed. We both really liked it there a lot. Um, and then Daniel came around. He didn't like it for a minute because, uh, 
um, it's a no smoking casino, and he was on the VIP floor, mm-hmm. and all and some of the VIPs smoke. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to say where they're from or anything, or Whatever. I don't want to sell anybody out, but they were smoking, and right. so Daniel got a little too much smoke. But then he, but then after they moved floors, then he's like, oh, I really like it here. So, you know, I can speak for Ivy and I that I loved it, and I believe Daniel ended up loving it too. So, well, yeah, he loved you know, it. We he won Player of the Year. There. <laughs> Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's nice for him. And so, you know, Mike, then we enter the, we, so let's go on. I play the eight game mix. Right. And for the first time in a long time, I showed up kind of on time for a tournament. Yes. Because I could see that the structure was set up that if you won a bunch of pots early, it could carry you for a while. Right. So not, not these tournaments where you win eight pots in a row and, you, and yeah. it doesn't add up to anything. You're right. Which I know you don't like. So the structure was good. So, I got a hold of some chips, and uh, and I went on to finish third. Now, when we got down to heads up, we got down to three-handed. The third, the guy who was in third place had one bet, and I could have outlasted and moved up to second. The difference was thirty thousand euros to forty-five thousand euros, mm-hmm. but I was playing to win. You know, yeah, I mean, course. it's a chance for a bracelet. So I'm sitting on six hundred thousand. The chip leader has about. Three million, and this guy's one hundred and fifty thousand. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he outlasted me. They only played one <laughs> after I was out. And so, you know, my eighth game, I was feeling really good about. It. And I got to tell you something, Mike. I got to thank you. Yeah. Because you have been teaching me Omaha eight or better, and people don't know this for seven years. Yeah. And I've been asking you questions. I've been getting better and better and better. Of all the games, super comfortable in that game. Yeah. You and I have been talking about stud eight or better. Yeah. And. I don't always use your opinions there, but generally I do, mm. you know, and, you know, you taught me some stuff about Studator better, and then Cantu and I ran some stuff about the value of the Deuce Fort King of Diamonds, you know, yeah. where you start with three diamonds and two lows. Well, that hand is a very, very low probability of winning. Of course. And that's one thing I learned. So, so we worked really hard at, I worked really hard at all these mixed games, and I've been playing professionally high stakes mixed games since the late 80s. Right. And so, so then the 25K mix comes, and this one I'm risking my own money, 25,000 euros. Well, I bust out. Well, and you don't. And then I realized. I'm, explain I'm to everybody that you don't, you, that even though you have plenty of money to play your own, you like to get, like, usually put up half because it's what you do. What, I'll, I just, what I'll do is this I'll raise, I'll raise 600. This is what I did last time. I raised $600,000. Mm-hmm. To play in a three hundred thousand dollar buying tournament, a hundred k and some others. Right. And so I raised six hundred k. I got a ten percent free roll. I put sixty up myself, so I had another ten percent. And then I played for twenty. So I used some of that money over there. I used the rest of the money. I've made my friends a lot of money. This fund I lost. But anyway. But it, um, explain it's, to it's the not many events, you know. Explain to the viewer, the people listening out there, why, why you do that. And I agree with you. And I, even when I had millions, I always somebody always was staking me in tournaments, or I only put up half. Explain to everybody why people say why Phil Helmuth is so good. Why doesn't he put his own money up and everything? And you you've told me. And you could tell them if you'd like. Uh, and I agree with you. Uh, what, explain to them why, why you do that. Well, Mike, I've been very lucky financially. Mm-hmm. You know, right. very lucky financially. And I have everything I want. Right. And, you know, I mean, I have an amazing house. I mean, my house is, might be worth $10 million now. It's crazy. 
And I have, you know, and we don't owe anything on that house. And so we have money. But as an old school professional poker player at age 21, 22, 23, 24, I learned the hard way. Right. That the one thing you don't want in life is to have to worry about paying your bills. Correct. And so the first time I got staked was 1998 by Ted Forrest. And I had a million. I I figured I was worth exactly a million. And I said, all right, I'm not going to take any more chances. I'm not going to borrow money. I'm just going to get staked. And Ted staked me. And, you know, the next thing you know, I was down 240,000 over a year or two. And then, boom, the 2001 series hits. And I I think I had two firsts and a second or something and was deep in the main and cashed for like 600K. And he ended up winning big. And then at that point, I'm like, all right, I'm not going to get staked anymore. Occasionally at the series, I've let my friends put up 100% of the money, and I'll take a free roll, right? a 60% free roll. That's a hell of a deal. Right. If someone puts up 150000 and you're on a 60% free roll, that's what they offered me, and that's what I took because I wanted to just risk my own money. So, And don't get jealous is, out there, everyone. There's only one Phil Hamuth, okay? <laughs> the point is this, Mike. The point is this. You, in life, if you're a good money manager, it's a lot more important than being a great poker player. It is everything. So I want to tell you this, Mike. Go ahead. Imagine, put your left hand in the air and your right hand in the air. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, you can raise your left hand up and say, I'm this great at poker, right? I'm doing and you can that, raise right. your right hand up and you can say, I'm this great at money management. Right. But the guy who's better at money management but not as much poker talent. He has a much more comfortable, easy life. Correct. Because he pays his bills on time. So I've been very conservative, and people made fun of me for years. Okay. People said, Phil is broke. Yeah. Mike, I still remember in 2002 when I walked into the – in 2003 and 2004 when I walked into the Commerce Casino mm-hmm. with my own money, and I walked right by the 600-1200 game, right by the 400-800 game right by the 100-200 no-limit game, and I sat down in the 153 game or the 2-400 game, and I and the whole room watched me. Mm-hmm. You know, here's Phil Helmuth, right, getting all the press, you know, plus I'm tall, and they're all watching. Where's he going to sit? Where's he going to sit? Yeah. And I put that ego away, and I did it for my wife and my kids. Right. And you know because what? Because I could sit down. I Maybe, maybe I had 60000 with me that trip. But instead of taking, I just sat down and thought, you know what, I'm just going to, this 153 is a good game, and this is where I need to be. And I swallowed the ego, and I swallowed the pride, and I grinded it out to pay for my wife and my kids. And that's... And, you know, I, keep my beautiful house. Yeah. And so I've been very conservative with my money. So I'm going to tell you a story, because relating to what we're talking about right now, and it revolves around a guy I met last night, um, Alex uh, Epstein, a uh, really super nice kid. <clears throat> I go, what are you, 27, 28? He goes, 28. And he's told me how he crushed the World Series playing 100 uh, 200 uh, PLO the whole summer, and then he went into private game, and it was 2-4, and it was playing like three times the size, and he had a 800K bankroll and lost seven of it, I think he said, or six of it. And he destroyed himself, and blah, 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 blah. One thing led to another, and I brought up you, and I brought up me. And I said, 
you know, Phil's been trying to get this into my head for many years, and I finally figured it out. It took me 50 years, and if I would have listened to Phil 10 years ago, I wouldn't be in the spot I'm in now. And I explained to him, you know, it's you're young. I go, how many times have you gone broke? He said, four. I go, okay. I've gone broke nine, I said, and I've told myself every time I wasn't going to, but this time I'm not going to. But I told him, listen, I don't, you know, uh, Jared Blesnick says you're one of the best PLO players he's ever played with. I said, but it doesn't matter. If you can't take a loss and you don't have money management, I don't care how good you are, you can't win. And I explained it to him. I said, there's days you take your down, 20,000, 10,000, whatever you're in a game you're in, and it's just not your day. You got to get up and take a loss. I said, Phil Helmuth taught me this. I said, granted, I go a little bit deeper than he does, but I have finally learned to take a loss or to even get in a better game uh, going on what you just talked about. I could have sat in the 3-600 game last night, and I went and played the PLO game because it was smaller and it was a better game. It was going to... I, I I never would go from three six hundred to a quarter quarter game. That it's unheard of. Yeah, Mike, of. you're you're starting to figure it out. Yeah. And it was about two thousand twelve that I said, All right, Phil, you're gonna risk ten thousand dollars a day. Right. Now, ten thousand a day, that's nothing when you play six hundred, twelve hundred, and I did mm-hmm. play that. Right. So I would sit down with my ten K, usually in a two four game. If I lost it, I'm like, All right, Phil, mm-hmm. the one law is you have to take the loss and you have to you cannot appear in the poker room for at least 24 hours so the minute i lost the money say it was seven at night i say right you cannot play again until three the next day or whatever almost 20 hours later and i would say that's a law and i would stick to it so then what do you do well i'm in vegas by myself and so you know i'm a little older so i kind of like watching movies in the room i'd go to go upstairs i'd you know, order room service two, three, four times over 24 hours, you know, and uh, get some candy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of take care of myself and say, Phil, losing 10K is nothing. So I learned where 10K never bothered me. Right. And I had lots of big ones. I could win 100. I could right. win 70. You were there one day, Mike, uh-huh. when I was in 10K. <laughs> I had about 300 or 400 left. 300 left, left in 153,000 straight in the 240. I'll never Dude, forget. I was. I was quitting, and I had yeah. 300 left. And you're right. I cashed in like 63,000. It was the sickest run ever. You were there for it. Right. I mean, I just remember. I just kept making big hands. I mean, when I had an aces, somehow it would be somehow it'd be five bets five ways, and it would still come an ace. But <laughs> you know? as, good as, as good as you ran, I think what you did to me in Chinese in about two hours was a little bit worse, but... <laughs> That was really brutal. You did something similar to me once, but but yeah. let's let's stick with the theme like of the money yeah. management. Yeah, exactly. So so because of that, so I'll, let me cut back to my story of the twenty five thousand euro buy in. Okay. So now having risked twenty five of my own money, okay, I'm like, you know what? I have to I have to fire another bullet because I'm still in the player of the year race. Plus, I just finished third in eight game mix. So I hopped in. I came in fresh the next day, and. Uh, and man, I was really playing good, Mike. I mean, my game, you know, really, really. And uh, and Daniel was on my right all day, and uh, you know, I just felt like we made the end of the day, and I think there were eleven left, um, probably forty at the start of the day, 
probably 45 or 50 or 60 played, but it was a high roller. So it was, you know, Ivy was in there and the was in there. Ferguson. I mean, so now uh-huh. I make day two. Mm-hmm. We're still not in the money, but we're close. I think, I think we weren't in the money. And, uh, and then to come back and make the money and, you know, I mean, I just was so steady. I was so proud of myself. Benny Glazer, who I think is a great young player, is on my left uh, all day. Negranius on my left. And uh, um, a, a young Russian kid, pretty good player, he was there. And so, you know, but I was just, they just couldn't get a chip from me. Like, they right. could not get a chip from me. They're not supposed to. And I was just playing so steady. And the no limit, sometimes I'd go a little bit crazy. Um, if I could get away with it, no one wanted to play no limit pot with me. So raise, raise, raise. Right. And, uh, and then that would help me because it would help if I lost. But anyway, just played great. I was never at chip, never at risk. And now I know that the whole world is kind of, the whole poker world's now watching because the press is going out on every level that I'm playing for my, you know, bracelet. And, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, they're announcing I'm on the chip lead with three left. And then I'm on the chip, and then two left. And so I had 24 million, he had 24 million, I had 20 million. He said, can we make a small save? And I said, and I said, well, let me think about it. And he said, I need 10 minutes to go smoke a cigarette. Okay. So I'd been playing perfect poker for two days, Mike, as good as I could play. And I think you would have been proud. You would have even thought I was playing a little tight in the Omaha Eater better. It's all good. But I have my own theories about why that's right. And I know you're one of the tightest. Yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, and the guy, nice guy, but he doesn't play Raz. He'd never played Raz before. He'd never played Stud Eater better. He was playing high hands and Stud Eater better for two days straight. And so I had a real good shot at winning this. Right. And, uh, I was just a little bit tired, I think. It caught up with me just a little bit. But that wasn't the reason. I mean, it kind of blitzed me at first. Just won every pot. And when I settled down, you know, I flopped three nines in pot limit Omaha. And it was a flip. He also had three nines. I had an ace kicker. Right. And he hit his, we got it all in and he hit his card. But, I mean, it really hurt. It was a, a really great opportunity for me to pick up my 16th bracelet. Yeah. You Still, told- I was kind of proud. You Third told me it was second place in a week. Yeah, and, and you Mike, told you told me that all the seconds you've had, this one hurt you the most. Tell everybody why. Well, I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, there's there's two or three seconds that really hurt. This mm-hmm. one hurt because I think that the guy I was playing it with was, you know, not a very experienced player mm-hmm. uh, in in a lot of the games. Right. Um, you know, but you know, uh, I also lost to to Brian Rast. Um, heads up, that one probably hurt the most. Rasty was not a great player at that point in all the games. He was a mm-hmm. beginner at all those games. Right. Then, now he's great at every game. I agree. And uh, that one hurt too. Um, by by then we were straight no limit. Right. But you know, but it, it did cash for like two hundred and seventy thousand euros or two hundred and eighty thousand yeah. euros. So that was good. You know, you, know, um, you can add tenor. So it was t- a good trip financially for me. But I just really wanted that bracelet. And then here's the problem, Mike. Now the 100,000 is the next day, day two of the 100K. Mm-hmm. And I'm so sick of playing these 100Ks and uh, coming in tired. Right. But that's exactly what I had to do because I had to get that money and play the 600,000 right. from my friends and play. I had 100 left. Right. And I figured there are times, a lot of times you and I are winning bracelets when we get really tired. 
Mm-hmm. We'll go day after day after day, and we'll win a bracelet. And about the 20th hand into that, I get dealt kings in the big blind. Okay. And it goes raise under the gun, and it goes re-raise from the blot from the button, who I thought was a kind of a fast player. Right. And I looked at him, and I'm like, he doesn't, he doesn't have aces. So I made it a million. It went like maybe 180 to 400 to a million. And, uh, and then the guy uh, moves on and stands up. The guy under the gun stands up, and I thought, no professional poker player is going to stand up if they have aces. Right. Well, it turns out he's not a pro. <laughs> <laughs> and then the guy on the button, I'm looking at him, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, well, I only have a million left. I have a million, and I'm not folding. And and uh, and I know him, I have, and he studies for like three minutes, you know. And I'm like, he calls, and I'm like, well, I have him beat. So I called, and the button at ace king, and the under the gun guy had aces, and I had kings, oh. six handed, <clears throat> twenty hands in. And you know that that one uh, that one hurt, you know, yeah. because I want to show people, you know, I mean, if well, nobody has anything negative, if anybody says anything negative about me, it's like, well, Phil hasn't done great in high rollers. Well, you know, I'm the only guy. What's it? What's uh, his name? Bought in seven I'm the times. Only guy, Mike, Mike, I'm the only guy that has three top ten finishes in the one drop, and I played less than everybody else. And I still have three top tens, what, maybe in four. Or what's five. what's the guy's the German guy? Really nice guy. He bought in seven times, seven hundred k. I'm like, <laughs> who's his backer? How's he gonna stand money? I mean, like, we got to get rid of these re-entries and these. It's just a, such a farce on poker. He's a great player too. The but. problem is this, Mike. They are taking the all-time money list away from me. Exactly. Okay, so you were there. You were there, man. You were there. You saw me win $10 million in $1,500 and $5,000. You never had a million-dollar score till four years ago, and that was— I never had a million-dollar score. You've only had one, right? You've had one, right, in the the one drop, the million—that was it, right? Or have you had two now? Yep. Maybe two. No, now. I think just one. I think one, right? And and these people, and this is what I've been trying to say, um, but, you know, Brian Rass made a good point, you know, because I was, like, feeling the same way you felt. I'm like, man, I got $10 million in earnings, and all I do is play the World Series. I don't play anything else. And I was, like, 11th on the all-time money list, like, seven years ago, and now I'm, like, 88th, right? And so it kind of bothered me, and I know it bothers you, too, but Brian Rass, made, he, he really made a good point. He's like, well, if you start keeping track of like let's just say all-time money list like every time you buy in you subtract from the all-time money list when you lose and don't cash if you start doing that he said it it all these people who think they're winning players get to realizing they're losing players and they quit playing so so true mike and he made a good point to me because i was on the side of you i'm like this is just making a sham of poker but it really isn't. It, he made a great point to me. I said, damn, you know, Brian makes a lot of sense. And you know what I love the most about Brian is, is he listens to people. Even if he has a different point of view, he'll listen to you. And, and then he'll come. I really love Brian Rast a lot. He's a great guy. He listens and he makes so many great points. He really does. So I changed. He's a my, smart guy. I agree for sure. Yeah. But still, Mike, it's frustrating because you and I both know that a lot of these guys have five, 10% of themselves. They travel all over the world. Right. 
and they play all these high rollers against each other. At the end of time, let's say that 20 of those guys are all even. Mm-hmm. Let's say that maybe four guys are way ahead mm-hmm. and four are way behind and 20 get Well, they all moved ahead of us on the all-time money list for breaking even. Correct. Because they're playing in 100. So it's a little bit frustrating for someone like me who's worked. But I'll tell you something else, too, Mike. There's a thing called ROI, return on investment. And right. I went public with return on investment. Right. And people said, some smart people said some really stupid stuff. I was disappointed. I don't want to mention any names. Right. And I said, I have the best ROI in history. Well, USA Today did, USA Today did an article saying I had the best ROI in history. You and Carlos I was a little Mortensen. Dot. You and Carlos Mortensen. I was a little dot. Yeah. Yes, I was a little dot way out there in the, where it made no sense to be. Right. And so that, you know, return on investment is very simple. How much should you invest and how much should you make? Right. And so, you know, it just so happens all those 1500s and 1Ks and 5000s, I won 10 million in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so it just put me way out there on an ROI because I spent so much less than everybody else. And so return on investment is something which we can't track anymore. It's hard to track. So it's okay. Some stuff, some stuff's going to get away. The, the all-time money list is one of those things. I would like to be able to compete. You know, what I really care about is the bracelets yeah. and the final tables. Well, the thing and is, cash Phil, is good is too. You're smart. Although the cash is, cash is out of control too now. You've got yeah. Chris Ferguson, who I really like. You've Me got too. Negranu, who I really like, and Sean Deeb, and they're all playing within the rules, Mike. Yeah. But you know what Daniel did? And he was laughing. He's with me in the $25,000 buy in, eight game mix. But meanwhile, he has to enter the other tournament to try to get points. Right. So he enters the pot limit Omaha on the break. Yeah, I heard about this. And he, he gambles. And he, he yeah. Double doubles, right. Mike. So say you started with 30K, now he has 150K call. Just double, just got it in bad, whatever, just randomly, because yeah. he can rebuy multiple times. Right. Then he comes, plays in our tournament for six hours. Then he goes back and he doubles again to like now he has maybe 200,000 and he's like all right I don't think I'm going to play again. And so now we're tracking it. Now he's in the money and he's celebrating cuz he's in the money. I'm I'm like of course you're going to make the money. He still has 120,000 in chips because Potlum and Omaha the blinds don't cost anything. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Sean Debu was playing in the Potlum and Omaha all day and <laughs> And Robert Campbell, who's been playing all day, they're both out. They took their bullets. (laughs) So now, wait, Mike, wait, now it gets better. Now the next day, Daniel goes back and plays one hand and doubles again, and then he never goes back again. He's in in our tournament, but he has the floor people checking on a stack because there's 30 left. Daniel finishes in 20th place in this tournament. Okay, And he played how many hands? He played a total of 22 minutes. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Now, Daniel is not, this is not an insult to Daniel. Daniel's playing by the rules. Right. And it was very smart of him to do what he did. Yeah. But the point is, people are, you are, are, are making a joke of, of the points race. It's and, not that. And, and, and Daniel will be the first one. He's, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, and, and, and I hear that, I hear Chris Ferguson buys in every single tournament and late reg to the max every time mm-hmm. and tries to be the last one to sit down for everyone. Right. And so, I mean, he cashed, what, 24 times? So Which the is, cashing thing's become a bit of a joke. It, well, it's so a I total think the, joke. They need a solution for player of the year, Mike. And Daniel suggested this. Take your top 10 caches, mm-hmm. your 10 best. Because mm-hmm. if some guy wins three bracelets and then somebody else cashes 23 times <laughs> and makes three final tables and never finishes fifth, 
and they win player of the year. Bullshit. That can't be. It, it's a, yeah, I agree. It, it can't. You're right. I mean, listen, I it's within the rules, but they need to. But you, you, they need to do a lot. First of all, they the first thing they need to do is get rid of re-entries. Uh, and, I mean, like one tops. Uh, it's just destroying the game. But it's something I'm going to work on every podcast I bring I it up. One re-entry is fine. Multiples may be bad. One, one's uh, fine. Though. One's fine. I have no problem with flying one. all the way across the world. I agree. Tournament. I'm fine with it. I'm fine and with it. They go out once, so they get all in with aces and take a bad beat. Now what? They have to go home. <laughs> yeah. So how you you don't you probably don't think it's ever going to happen, but I believe it's gonna. How long is it going to be before they put the re-entries into the main event? Because they're greedy as fuck. They just want money. I just I just it, I say five, five years tops. It, I mean, they're already letting people buy in on day two of the main event. I mean, you want to talk about the? I mean, that's. Just horrible for Mike. People. Wouldn't you like? Wouldn't you like it if the main event had one rebuy? Tell the truth no. from your perspective. Absolutely not. And you know what? Not so, only do so I don't. You, so you. So wait. Let me finish. So you. You show up on time on day one of the main event. Okay, I think everyone needs to be on time for the main event. It comes. Hold on, Mike. It comes ten nine eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you have the Jack Queen of Diamonds. And you know you, you're against an amateur, and the amateur has tens and eights. And he doesn't know how to fold tens and eights. For you and I, it's like, psh, we wouldn't lose a thousand on that hand. But, but you know, an amateur, whatever, he goes with it. It's all in uh, on the flop, and the turn's an eight. And you're out. And so, you know, there is that random luck element in the main event with so many really, really crazy bad players. But that's that. just not your year. Where, I mean, it's tough to win. The main event is... is the main, that's one thing that people knock you and they they knock I'm not going to go into strategy like when you called this raise with king seven of diamonds and it came four five six with two diamonds and you bet and the guy moved all in and they're like how does Phil not call I'm like well because if Phil calls and misses he's out of the main event and Phil knows he could find a better spot to win just that many chips without risking any but in a i don't cash game the money's in in a second in a, in a second. regular tournament the money's in in a second and see in a second i'm not gonna talk strategy because we don't we we made up we don't talk strategy about no limit because we have our own thought process i we and i'm just gonna leave it at that and people could could have their way of thinking with math and equity and all that shit but let's let's go back to this who's winning Okay, Phil Ivey, the re- I mean, had a great WSOP Europe. You had a great World Series. Daniel won Player of the Year. I had a great World Series. Sean Deeb had a great. Ferguson had a great World Series. So all these problem solvers or whatever they call them uh, that run eighteen million sims of why it's correct to mathematically call blah blah blah. How are they doing? That's what I want to know. We keep winning. Daniel just won his third player of the year. Um, What's going on? By the way, Mike, I have three seconds in player of the year. Not to mention all those years. Like, all those years I would have won player of the year if we even had one. How about about the only way you could not win player of the year was for Ben Lamb to make the final table the main event? Remember that? 
Mike, it get worse than that. Come on. Ben Lamb had to make had to finish eighth or better in the main event. He huh. did it to take the player of the year away from me. Right. The other one, the more brutal one, is Merson had to win. You know if Merson finished second that year, I was player of the year. Oh, he had, he to, had win. to win. The That's main right. Event I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, so you know, let me... I mean, the difference is that he won. Now, Sean Deeb had to finish. Sean Deeb came back with 11 players left mm-hmm. in the – Last event, the closer, which is really exciting it. for poker. He had to finish in fifth place. I heard he completely grenaded his Daniel. stack. That's what Daniel told me. He, he came. He well, maybe, maybe not, but I don't know about the. the only thing was this: he came back with eleven, and he finished eleventh. But yeah. you know, if he happened to finish fifth, then Daniel only has two players a year. Yeah. If uh, Merson had to finish first to take it away right. from me, so these things happen. Yeah. And it's just part of the game. I heard but it's that a little frustrating he was for me. third in chip, Sean, and Daniel said he completely incinerated his stack. Now, I, I don't know what that means. I, don't, I haven't talked to Sean. I'm sure Sean will, have, yeah, Sean will Sean be honest. Plays a different st- Sean, as much as he's adapted to the styles that I play, right. he, he has his own version of no limit. Right. And so, you know, Sean will... If Sean raises with eight nine of diamonds and someone puts a big re-raise in, he'll call it. And if it comes nine four deuce, it's going in. And if the right. other guy has queens, then you and Daniel and I would say he incinerated a stack. Right. Because why would you play nine eight when all you have to do is fold to ten handed, not play a hand ten handed or nine handed? Because it's so easy to fold right. and easily work, work your way up to fifth place. Easily. And yeah. you and I are, I'm, Daniel and I are experts at kind of moving up to fifth place. Right. So, but I'm not going to say that Sean and Senator Stack, maybe he had aces. Yeah, we don't know. Maybe he, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe he got in with King seven and the other guy had ace four. I don't know what happened, but I guess if Daniel says he incinerated, maybe he did. You know, everybody has different style. Like Daniel, Daniel was saying, well, he just, he just plays really sloppy, but he's always played sloppy. That's been his, that's his style. That's how he gets a lot of chips. And that's why he wins a lot and loses a lot. I mean, I, I, Sean Dave raises more hands than anybody in poker. Anybody in poker. I agree. And you know than what? Anybody, and he had massive chip leads in Potlum at Omaha. He had massive chip leads in every game. How about That's the really tr- impressive. Yeah. So, you know, every, there's one thing that we know. There's different styles in poker that work. And when people want to say negative things about you, negative things about me, negative things about people – Di- we have a different way of thinking, and all philosophies work. But the only philosophy I don't believe in is is you're never going to be a super top player just playing GTO. If you don't have if you don't have talent, you could t- you could do all the ICM GTO you want. It's just not going to. It'll make you a winning player, but it isn't going to make you. When it just won't, it just can't. I just know it. Like I see things in my gut. I feel it. I mean, even when I was playing the big game a couple weeks ago, it's like guy raised, and I looked at him. He raised under the gun. I had ace ten of spades, and I I looked at him, and I knew he was super strong. I go, can can um, Alan Keating play my discards? And he goes, Oh yeah. And when he said that, I'm like, oh, my God, he's just screaming he's got aces or kings. You know what I'm saying? So I throw my hand to Alan Keating. Of course, he calls the raise. And it comes king high with two speeds. And Alan loses. They run it twice. And Alan loses 40,000. The guy had three kings. And that was it. 
I just started like laughing. I'm like, the, the difference is, is, and Alan Keating's very talented. But when you, if you, the things that that I'm able to see, you're able to see, a lot of great readers are able to see, overcomes a lot of maybe things that we might not do totally mathematically correct. But that's the way I think. That's the way you think, and our way works. And you, you know, know, Mike, I, I, you know, I got to tell the story. I was in Keating's game. That's mm-hmm. a series, okay? So here's my situation. I have, I don't know, I'm down to like $1,000 left in town. Mm-hmm. I was going to hit the, the button to wire in 200000 or something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to have my wife wire in money. And I, thought, and I had a day open, and I said, you know, I think I'm not planning on playing today. I think I'll play in your game, Alan. Right. So I go to his game. We're playing two four hundred, mm-hmm. And uh, the game's out of control fun. I mean... Alan has the best games, I think. And so, at one hand, Mike, I limped for 400. Okay. The guy behind me made it 5,000 with Ace 5 offsuit. Alan made it 15,000 from the big blind, and I just shipped 70,000 in cold. Mm-hmm. And Alan just beat me in the pot with tens. <laughs> Run you- it twice? Sure. The first, somehow he hit the 10 on the first one. And it's a straight draw on the second. I almost lost both. And I'm just like, what the hell is going on here? So, so fast forward to three or four hours later, I have 156,000 in front of me. I'm in 120. Mm-hmm. All right. Despite the beats I'd taken. And so they deal me two kings. Mm-hmm. And so the guy under the gun opens for a big raise, like 4K. Mm-hmm. And then the second and third players both call 4K. Wow. He just 10 x it and they both called. So I'm like... All right, fine. I'm, I made it seventeen thousand to send a message with kings. I'm fourth to act, mm-hmm. and uh, it gets back to him, and he looks it back at his cards, and he makes it forty-four thousand. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my god, they know how tight I am. He knows I have aces or kings or a big, big, big hand, mm-hmm. or if that's just the odd time I'm making a play. Mm-hmm. But it's not, and so, and so my. So they both fold, and my instincts are going crazy, Mike. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I can't help but think to myself, this is the first time in Vegas in a couple of years where I've had 156000 in front of me in a no-limit game. Mm-hmm. And they dealt me kings, and they dealt this guy aces, and I know it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just studying, 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 and I just had this vision in my mind. I mean, I was really on the series. I said, mm-hmm. I'm going to move in, and he is going to double-check his cards as he's throwing the money in the pot. Mm-hmm. You know? He's going to look back, say, I have aces, and put in the 156,000. He was a fast player, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, and so I showed Alan the kings, and I showed the other guy the kings, and they thought I was messing with them. Mm-hmm. Then I folded. Mm-hmm. And Alan said, show me that hand. You have ace five. The guy wouldn't show. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, then, and, then, and then I left. I left for 10 minutes or 20 minutes, and I went mm-hmm. upstairs and said, honey, I'm sure this guy had aces. I just made... And he was when I went came back he was going crazy, and when I quit the game up sixteen thousand, I borrowed one hundred and twenty from Alan, paid him back right away. So now I'm up sixteen k. I said, well, this might last for a few weeks. The series, I don't have to hit the send button yet. You know what I mean? Sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and he said, I I had aces. I swear. He's like, how did you know? This is. And I said, well, I I don't know how I knew. Except that I just knew. Yeah. And I said, he said, what was it the way I looked? Was it the way I 
And I'm like, something we're born with, buddy. Something we're born. You can't explain this stuff, Mike. No, you can't. One hand earlier, I had with tens, and it went all in, all in behind me for sixty thousand each. Two guys, and I called with tens, and I was against seven six and two fours. And my instincts were going crazy to call. I put the money in seventy thousand dollars, Mike. Of course. And I was right. And I, I lost one of the boards because the guy with the seven six hit three sevens on the second board. Okay. And so, um, and so then they're like, "We don't get it. How do you put in all that money with tens, and then you just fold kings?" And I was just like, "It was just no. like I could see the future, I, you know." And, and th- th- it's not that advanced to seeing the future. It's just. Just, I just, I just knew that if I put the money in, you were just gonna snap those aces. You feel over it, and take I, my hundred and fifty-six. And and you know what the thing is? My whole life, I've felt things, and I a lot of times, even when I got set up with the cop and shit, I felt my first gut was like, "This guy feels like a cop," you know. And I didn't follow my instincts. So I'm like, "Why is a guy for a year and a half following me? He knows I don't do anything." You know what I mean? But. Uh, it's our and now now things are going well i'm out of pain and i'm following every instinct and even yesterday last night in the game right i'm sitting there and the guy this guy alex goes are you gonna play i'm like i'm i'm debating he goes he, he goes you're you're reaching deep inside your gut and you're trying to get a feel of positivity or negativity am i right I said, exactly. How'd you know that? He goes, I could tell. I'm like, yeah, because my whole life, I just, I reach down and whatever my gut tells me, it's right 95% of the time. And I was getting mixed feelings. Like, should I play? Shouldn't I play? Should I play? Shouldn't I play? And, uh, and well, yeah, here's the weird thing, people, Mike, when people hear us talk, they're mm-hmm. like, oh, Phil and Mike, they don't know what they're talking about. Sometimes they think that most guys know that we know our stuff, but some guys are like, wait, wait, where's the science? The science your gut feeling isn't about isn't your gut feelings about a lot of things. One, am I tired? Two, is the game good? Three, do I feel like I can hold my concentration? That adds up, and to you, that comes across as a gut instinct. You yeah, know, right? Uh, and so that's what you're going with. For me, yeah. with the kings, right? You know, I folded kings four times in my life, uh, maybe five, and all to, every time they showed the aces. Really, this guy yeah. didn't show them. I'm but he six, wouldn't let Al until it six times. Either. I'm three and three, by the way. So, oh, I mean, whatever. Well, I'm not three and three. as far as I know, I'm five out of five on this. Yeah. So, but it's not just some. I did a bad job of explaining it, but it's just like sometimes there's this instinct that Doyle talks about in his book. Right. We, with the greatest poker players in the world, they know when the other person has the best possible hand. They just know when they're beat because there's just a certain confidence. Yeah. No, no, no. I mean, Mike, I'm talking specifically yeah. when someone has the best possible hand. Right. When they have the nuts, there's just no fear at all. Right. And that's an easier thing to read. So for a professional poker player like me, you know, that's it's a lot easier to fold the kings because I just don't see that tell very often, you know, and it's, it's such a supreme tell, you know. Right. So tell everybody uh, what our plans are for the weekend. Well, we're staying at a really nice hotel here in Boca Raton, uh, and uh, I've been here nine days on yeah. vacation, you know, just trying to rest as much as possible. And then what's happening is this, Mike, we're going to be eating at the Chop Lobster House tomorrow at 
Thursday. And then we're going to the Isle Pompano Casino. Uh, just It's kind of just me and, and a bunch of my friends. Mike Sexton might join us. You last know, time. Ferraro, hey, John last... Green, a bunch of guys, you know, that Morgan Machina, a bunch of guys who you've known kind of in the past. The... Timmy, there's this whole group of guys. The last and, time uh... I was at the Isle was 2010. I won the Florida State Poker Championship. I I haven't been back since, so this will be a fun. It'll be a fun weekend, and well, then we you got have great. You have great vibes. Yeah, and so so Mike, let me finish. So then Friday night, there's a fifty thousand dollar buying game. We're giving five thousand dollars each player that's playing gives five thousand to the charity, right? To the Howard Frank charity event. Yep. I think you're playing, and I think I'm taking half of you in that. Yeah. Uh, I may play myself. I haven't decided yet. It's a. It's the blinds are only twenty five, fifty, and then fifteen hundred. So we're deep. And we're only so playing for what you probably... said a couple hours we're only playing for? Is that what it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all good. And man. so and then there's and then there's the two thousand dollar buy in beat the brat tournament Saturday at three PM okay. where a bunch of people qualified on satellites for that. Um now I've played in that three, four times. I haven't cashed yet. I've been close. So it's gonna be interesting to see. I'm kind of in form right now, so I wanna see will that form translate to me going deep in that. I think so. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. Depends if it depends if Friday night we go out. You go out with the boys and have uh, have some uh, Dom Perignon or not. <laughs> we have some Dom Perignon in the room here. Yeah. And there's a there's a there's a there's a tournament Friday night. It's a it's called the uh, it's called the it's like a celebrity knockout. And so that you know we'll probably. Probably a lot of us will be over there having some drinks and just chilling because Friday is kind of an easy night. Right. But that, but remember, also Friday is the 50K buy-in cash game earlier in the night. So, yeah. And then, you know, the big tournament is the Howard Frank Charity Tournament, right. which they're going to have three, 400 people in, Mike. Yeah. That's on Sunday. Yeah, I, d- I did the That's first the one news. for them back in 2012, and you've been doing, I think, the last five years, right? Four or five years? I have. Yeah. It's been... It's been fun, and uh, uh, you know, it's been really fun. Cantu's been down here with me the last few years. He's going to miss. I'm glad you're going to be here. And it's just for me, it's fun to just to get Jason Otto. It's fun to get to last year. We had Robert Williamson. It's fun just to have a group of people. We kind of have a weekend. We're invited on three different yachts, Mike. Yeah, no, I heard. (laughs) Saturday on the beach, we're supposed to go on a boat or something. I don't know. It'll be fun. But you know, Lyle Berman's going to be here. Lyle wants to play two four hundred mixed games. Yeah, I mean, and we have uh, – so does Steve Levin and so does Corey Zeidman. They've been texting me about getting a mixed game together. I said, well, we, we, we're we on a schedule. I don't know. We'll have time. If we do, it'll probably be Sunday night at, if we get knocked out of the charity tournament. That's what I told them. Well, so, I would tell those guys that Lyle Berman wants to play. And okay. then you've got Corey Zeidman, you, Lyle Berman, me. And maybe that's something we play Saturday at 4 p.m. or something, you know, 5 yeah. p.m. I mean – Sunday at 4 or 5 p.m. So this is going to be my first trip since my injury out uh, on an airplane going across country. And I'm always in pain when I fly because the pressure with my injury really hurts. So uh, actually, it's my second trip. I went to Washington with you two years ago, and you know I could barely leave the room that, that time. So hopefully... It's true. You flew to L.A. with me uh 
few months ago. Yeah, yeah but that. that's nothing. But I'm talking about going across country. An hour. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, I'm, let's just pray that our, my health holds, holds up. And if it does, it's going to be a great weekend for us. So everybody out there, I, I tweeted out uh, the flyer that you sent me about what we're doing this weekend. So uh, if you want, you can throw a retweet and everybody can show up and play poker with us. So this, I can't wait. I'm flying out in the morning. We're going to have a great weekend. We're going to make lots of money, make money for charity. And I get to see you and it's been a while and I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for checking in with all your fans. And um, uh, seeing Southern FLA tomorrow, Mikey. You got it, buddy. Thanks a lot, buddy. Have a great night. Peace. The mouthpiece. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this edition. Episode 25 of The Mouthpiece. Tune in next week. Episode 26. Wow, 26 already. And we will talk, I'll be talking about uh, my trip to Florida. Uh, my private games that I'll be playing. And uh, oh, we'll be catching up on everything. Have a great night. Thanks for checking in. Peace. The Mouthpiece.